This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, October 26th, wherever and however you're connected, always great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, once again teamed up alongside a man who wants to own his own Wingstop franchise, Jerem Jordan. I do. Uh, Malik Moore was talking about he wants an NLI deal, NIL deal with uh, Wingstop and Five Guys. So uh, Wingstop actually responded to the interview post after the game Saturday. They responded yesterday and said, we are definitely watching this. So, uh, the power hey, Malik, of social media. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows, man? <laughs> Have some more picks and maybe. Whenever you see the eyeballs, you know, it's uh, there's something potentially there. So, well, if you're a member of the BYU coaching staff, yeah. Let's, let's make it happen for Malik Moore. Hopefully, Wingstop is watching today's show lineup as well. It is compelling and rich. Bronco Mendenhall speaks about BYU at length. Why he did not want to play this game when he first left for Virginia, and why he's mostly okay with it now. Kalani Satake gives his hopeful fan reaction for when Bronco Mendenhall, the former BYU coach, makes his return to the Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Dave McCann, longtime BYU sportscaster, will join us to preview a new edition of After Further Review. It's Top Five Tuesday, focusing on the top five BYU football plays against Virginia. And uh, while you think about that, let's go ahead and get to some headlines. Number 25, BYU football welcomes Virginia to town. Coach Bronco Mendenhall and many assistant coaches. It'll be great to see them. Mendenhall initially didn't want this game when he left, but uh, here we are. I do remember when I was announced uh, uh, leaving BYU that I wouldn't play this game. <laughs> I didn't know how to make it any clearer, but that didn't happen. And I just learned I'm not the one that decides. So I don't know all the workings of it, um, but that's... Um, I, I certainly know now in the world of college football, right, the resources and, and revenue drives so much of it, entertainment drives so much of it, and whatever happened contractually, I wasn't aware. And I wish I could talk more to it, but I made my stance early on clear, And um, but here we are, and that's that's okay. It's been six years. It's all good. It's been love, six years. Love more comments from Bronco Mendenhall what's trending. New York Jets quarterback Zach Wilson, as we reported out two to four weeks with a PCL sprain in his knee. So the Jets went ahead and traded for Joe Flacco. On Monday, New York trading a conditional sixth-round pick for the backup Eagles quarterback and former Super Bowl MVP. Joe Flacco is going to replace the injured rookie for now. He played the backup role to Sam Darnold in 2020, but went 0-5 because of the Jets. Because Jets. Women's volleyball moves up a spot to number seven in the ABCA coaches poll. I believe it was Purdue who was seven, who lost. After a sweep of number 21, San Diego, Cougars are 19-1, 9-0 in the West Coast Conference, host San Francisco Thursday night, 9 Eastern time on BYU TV and the app. Let's keep it rolling with volleyball. BYU senior and grad transfer Kenzie Kerber named WCC Offensive Player of the Week. 17 kills, four digs, four assisted blocks. Her teammate Maddie Allen named the WCC Defensive Player of the Week. She had three service aces, six assists, and 14 digs. The ladies, they're getting it done. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Guess who's back? 
Broncos back, and how do we feel about it? Jerem, we are going to play a number of uh, sound bites from the former BYU coach, and then, as we do often on the show, we're going to react to everything he said yesterday. So Bronco mentioned he didn't want to play the game initially, but uh, time passes, it makes it uh, a little easier, as he says right here. I can't say that I'm at ease, right? But once it was clear that the game was going to be played early on, then, yeah, it was going to be played. And and so it's six years, and, and that, you know, time is, is uh, adds perspective, and it also sometimes has your heart grow fonder, but also times it allows separation. And so sometimes it just takes time. All right. It takes time. Uh, time heals all wounds, right? Yeah, initially he didn't want to play the game. I get it. It was awkward. Guess what? There's a handful of guys, you know, three to five that he signed or recruited, right? Jaron Hall is one of them. Uriah Leitao is one of them. Neil Pau is one of them. So, yeah, there are a couple guys, but it's not as awkward now. It's been six years. You get over it. You know, people get divorced. You get over it. That's a long time. And I think that it kind of snuck up on some people. Wow, it's been six years since Bronco left? It feels like, I don't know, three, four, not six. BYU was supposed to play Virginia in 2019, and Bronco and Virginia successfully pushed that game back to 2021. Maybe he needed some more time to compartmentalize things. I don't know. But, yeah, six years is enough time to move on. Like He's gone – to an Orange Bowl and won an ACC Coastal Championship. And thank Clemson for that Orange Revamped Bowl. that yeah. program. Like, a lot has happened in six years. And the return game, by the way, is uh, you know 2023. And then is it is it a two-for-one? BYU will be here again in 25? What am I? Yeah, anyways, I'll have to look up the details there. But And we'll see what happens in 2025 when BYU is a member right. of the Big 12. Right. And B- 23 for that matter. BYU has to figure out some things, right, with non-conference still. Okay, so naturally... Uh, yeah, it, it's been six years, but there were many great memories for BYU football oh, yeah. under Bronco Mendenhall that no BYU question. fans no. hold near and dear to their heart. And many are wondering what kind of reception Bronco is going to receive when he returns to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Well, Bronco said he can control what – all he can control, rather, is what he's doing to prepare for the game. I really can't control um... – what kind of welcome I do or don't receive, but what I can express is gratitude. And, and that's what I intend to do and then do the very best I can to prepare my team so they can have success and continue on the goals um, that we have for this program and, and this team this year. Bronco and Virginia, 6-2, and two, like BYU, just outside the top 25. The Cougars, of course, number 25. This has become not just a compelling matchup because of the ties to Bronco Mendenhall, but because Virginia's been playing some good football. And, oh, yeah, there, there's this game too, right? Yeah, the game is fun. And it's not just Bronco. There's like eight dudes on the staff. It's still Nick Howell, Robert and I, Mark Atuai, Jason Beck, uh, you know, Garrett 2J, all those guys. Like, there are others. Matt Edwards. There's like two others I'm missing. But I, I love all those guys. Those guys are still homies, um, which is great. You know, they won't be homies for like three and a half hours. But then after the game, you, you hang out, right? It is a two-for-one, by the way, that BYU got two home games for. The, is this the only Power 5 series BYU's ever had where they did two-for-one? Home? Tom Homo secured like, that, I what? believe, when Bronco Mendenhall was still the head coach at yes. BYU. Yes, I think so. And it was like <laughs> way out, right? So, yeah, we'll see what's actually played with this. I would think that Virginia would want that return game in 23 at a minimum. But uh, we'll see what BYU does with the Big 12. Yeah. And when Bronco says that he wants to express his gratitude – I've always taken Bronco 
at his word. I feel like he is a very, very genuine person. And um, I don't think he says things that he does not mean. Oh, no. He's like, Bronco, I, I think this is Bronco's second best job possibility. I'm not talking Virginia. I'm talking football coach. I think first would have been general in the military. He's just very direct, like, direct, strict, command. Like, I think, I think that the end game for him should be to be at one of the service academies. Air Force, Navy, or Army. Uh, honestly, maybe he just replaces fellow member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Kenny Amatololo, one day at Navy or something. He just fits in that, right? He wants to run a program that way. BYU has a spiritual, militaristic element to it that I think like was in line with the way he rolls. He wrote a book a few years ago, right? Um, and I thought it was going to be a BYU football book. It was a like business leadership yeah, book. It's about Wrapped life. in the bacon of BYU football, which was interesting. So, Okay, Kalanis Take... Also feels Bronco Mendenhall should get a warm welcome Saturday. I think everybody can handle it however they, they want, but uh, I would hope fans would just be thinking about uh, the energy, the time, the sacrifice, the hard work that Bronco and his staff uh, did here and how it deserves, um, it deserves great gratitude and appreciation and love. Think about all of the beloved players that came through BYU football during the Bronco Mendenhall era. And a couple that he specifically recruited, Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams. That's quite the tandem among right others. there. Yeah, among yeah. others. I'm There's just, a gajillion, like, yeah. Jamal is a beloved character. Jamal Williams and his family committed to BYU because of Bronco Mendenhall. They, they liked the structure that you just talked about. We li- Can you imagine BYU without Jamal Williams at this point? He means so much to the fan base. Uh, and I, it's not surprising to see all of Broncos' former players come out, be vocal on social media about what he means to them. Cameron Jensen and David Nixon, Brian Keel. I mean, so many people have taken to social media to let their voices be heard about, hey, welcome him back with open arms. It doesn't have anything to do with who you root for to win the game, but before the game, who's, when you have the opportunity, who who doesn't rooting against? Who him? doesn't want who do, to? Who who is up? I, I like. I feel like we're making so, something uh, talking about something that isn't there. Everyone should be applauding Bronco. Like I don't think there'll be a, there shouldn't be a single boot. Yes, he left. It's been six years. Get over it. I don't think it's like, about that. I think people at times were frustrated with Bronco Mendenhall, and and there were some naysayers for sure when he was with here because it was eight or nine wins. Which we look back now on and we're like, listen, there have been some sevens here. There was a four. You know what I mean? Like, Bronco never dipped to a to four. Bronco never dipped to – you know what I mean? It takes time to build a program. He pulled BYU out of the cellar of three consecutive losing seasons. Yes. And he, he did it with Gary's guys initially. But, yes. Like, they, it's – Interesting weaving, right? Of Gary the different, couldn't win with Gary's guys. Gary didn't win with Lavelle's guys initially, and then <laughs> the 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 cupboard was a little bare at the end there with Lavelle. Um, and then Gary, you know, it didn't go well. And then Bron- blah blah blah. You build off what you have, and then it takes a couple years. Now that we're in like year five and six, we've seen what Kalani Satake can do. It takes a sec, right? With Bronco Mendenhall, it took a sec, um, but it was pretty quick actually. To year two, he got eleven wins. And then 11 wins, and then 10 wins, and then 11 wins. Lavelle Edwards never had 43 wins in a four year span. Bronco Mendenhall did. And Bronco Mendenhall navigated BYU into uh, independence. And then now BYU is headed to the Big 12, which Bronco said yeah. he was pushing hard. Yeah, understandably, Bronco Mendenhall, <laughs> having invested so much into that first go around when BYU was making a play for the Big 12, 
he's got some emotions there. And he was asked about, now that BYU is in the Big 12, how he feels about it. I was probably the most aggressive in the push for the Big 12 uh, in my time and and probably probably told to tone it down a little at some point. Um, but I, I thought it would be the exact right fit, the exact right match. And besides planting seeds, I was trying to harvest seeds at the same time. And so I'm just I'm glad that um, there has been some realignment and that BYU is acknowledged. Um, and I think it's great for the institution. I think it's good for college football. And, and it was, um, man, did I want that to happen bad when I was – when I was there and to see it finally come to fruition, yeah, pretty cool. When BYU was first being researched at length to get into the Big 12, it was largely the Bronco Mendenhall era that preceded that. Well, it was. It was the summer right? after he left. So it's it was twenty sixteen. What he did with BYU was what was being examined football wise, and as we pointed out. We think that that was really, really impactful in the Big 12 this go-around saying, look, we already know what we're going to get with BYU right? because of the research that we did in 2016. Yeah, I, I would say, yeah, it was Lavelle and Bronco, right? It was, it was the whole thing. Um, but <laughs> I am a little amused by that. Like, yes, of course. Like, but that's like me as a six-year-old saying, hey, we should live in a bigger, better house. It's like, that's not in our control right now. I, I understand that that would be a good thing, but that's not – like at the time – you couldn't control whether it would go to the Big 12, of course, saying that. No, I, I get it. Of course, yes, we wanted to be in a Power 5. BYU didn't want to be an independent that long, and they just w- didn't want to be in the Mountain West. BYU wasn't seeking independence. They were seeking the next best thing, uh, which happened to be independence, right? So that, that is a little funny to me. <laughs> you know what I think? BYU should be in the SEC. You know, and then in 20 years, they're in the SEC. See, I, I was the one saying hey, no. But you got to give him credit for uh, getting to the point where his superiors are like, okay, bring it back, reel it back in a little bit. You know, and he was very uh, outspoken about it for a little while. That's not a thing you can control. Us. And <laughs> you have to be invited. It's all good. Our question of the day. You think the ADs were like, oh, that's, we didn't think of that one. <laughs> that's a good idea. Maybe that was the case. <laughs> They didn't know. They're like, which conference? Oh, yeah, that'd be a great idea. Our question of the day. What kind of reception are you going to give Bronco Mendenhall on Saturday? Let's hear from you, BYUSN and Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At J underscore Royal 09 in on Twitter. Bronco got BYU back on track after the Croton years and got BYU multiple Mountain West Conference titles and 10-win seasons, and blazed the Independence Trail. Nothing but respect for that socially awkward man. No, he's like, yeah, no. <laughs> like, Bronco's greatest strength isn't, like, you know, the the charisma part. Like, he's an incredible organizer, an incredible leader, incredible motivator. Like, that's what he did, right? We had some fun, awkward commercials with him. I tweeted one out this morning from Mr. Mac that was, like, hilarious from 05. The, whatever the dude won, like and and we didn't realize that eight and nine win seasons were actually r- pretty good, because then later we saw four and we yeah. saw two sevens, right? Like what Bronco Mendenhall did was really notable. I don't think he gets enough credit for the dry sense of humor that he put on display a little bit more the latter part of his BYU tenure, and I came into it we chilled out a little in more that, yeah. in that uh, that that time frame. I came back in 2013, and my first interaction with him was, and if you know, you know. The green room snack guy thing became a thing. Because that was the first time I met him in the green room. And he said, oh, this is what you do? 
this is this is what you do to help BYU TV. You sit in here and you eat snacks. That is accurate. I don't <laughs> see any flaw in that, that statement. I was like, well, uh, yeah. I mean, I had peanut M and M's in my hand, and he's like, okay, from now on, you're green room snack guy. Um, and we made a commercial. And out of we that. made a commercial out of that. Yeah. But uh, I thought that he lightened up a lot the last three or four years of his tenure at BYU, um, and was not as one of our viewers pointed out as socially awkward as he once was when he first took over the job. Thomas Rohrer, how should we feel about Broncos' return to BYU this Saturday? About the same as my son Nathan felt meeting him a few years ago. <laughs> this is a picture of Nathan who does not look happy to be meeting Bronco, who has a big smile on his face, <laughs> which is hilarious. Oh, no, I bet Nathan's feeling better now. It'll be great to have Bronco and the boys back. Like, I'm so excited for this game. I, and I was even negotiating with my wife last night, like, okay, what time am I good to trick-or-treat because Sunday – Halloween, I don't know what's going to happen in Utah. Anyway, Saturday, it's like, what time can I leave so I can be at the game and I want to go see those guys, right, and enjoy the night. So the answer was like 6 or 6.30. I can oh, 6 or 6.30? Yeah, yeah, okay, you got you got your time frame yep. we'll, we'll for get departure. A, we'll get a good like hour in there. Yeah. Just make sure you're at the trunk or treat tomorrow. Your kids get double the candy. Yeah, I'm talking. Yes, yes, <laughs> amen. Coming up, uh, the trunk or treat we're talking about, by the way, uh, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Bigger 600th milestone, Tom Brady or Brigham Young football? Plus, longtime BYU TV sportscaster Dave McCann joins us to preview another edition of After Further Review. And we've got some breaking news about a legend within BYU sports. Don't go anywhere. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. After further review, it's tonight, 7 Eastern, on the BYU TV app and on demand after with Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, David Nixon as they break down the Washington State game. Look ahead to the Bronco Bowl with Virginia Saturday night. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. We have received some sad news this morning. Longtime BYU athletic director and BYU baseball coach, a legend in the BYU sports community, Glenn Tuckett, has passed away at the age of 94, 17 seasons as the BYU baseball coach. He was the athletic director at BYU from 1976 to 1993. How about that run? Under National uh, Championship, Heisman, Heisman Trophy, Trophy, connected at the hip with Lavelle Edwards. It's incredible, incredible. So we are definitely sad to learn of Glenn Tuckett's yeah. passing, but we can't think of a better man to join us now to discuss what he means to BYU sports than Dave McCann. Dave, uh, what are your initial reactions to the news that uh, Glenn Tuckett has passed away? Well, it felt like he was going to live forever because it seemed like he did. I mean, 93 is an, an awesome life, and he had a he had a great life, and what what he was to BYU, he was as important to BYU off the field as Lavelle Edwards was on the field. It's quite the statement. And especially the BYU we know today. These were, these were two pioneers, and one was the administrative, and the other was the guy who won the games. The guy who won the games gets a lot of the, a lot of the pub, but Glenn got a lot too. You know, As a coach, he went to the College World Series twice with his BYU teams, and, and you just take a look around campus at what has been built since he stepped foot on campus, what, back in 1959? Mm, incredible. And, uh, yeah, and he's, you know, he's a storyteller. He, he can work a room. And the story didn't have to be true. We were all bought in <laughs> uh, if, if he was telling it. And uh, just, uh, I, I, it, I just hope that um, when BYU fans think of Glenn Tuckett and Lavelle Edwards, they think of those two together as the two that really 
put this place together sure. athletically. You bring up 1959. So he was born in 1927. He was 32 years old when he took over the head coaching job at BYU. And little did we know that that run was going to go from 59 until 1993. I mean, that, that 34 years. So he was, he was with BYU longer than he was old when he first took a job. That's pretty crazy. And, that is crazy. And how he finished. Last Wednesday he was out at the ballpark at practice. Yeah visiting with Coach Mike Littlewood, who will be here in, in a few minutes. And then later that day he had a stroke and then passed away last night. But the last time he was out and about on his feet, he was standing in a baseball stadium that he helped build and a baseball program that, that he helped build. And I, I can't think of a more appropriate place uh, for him to spend his last time on his feet than, than at that stadium. He was very uh, to the point, which I enjoyed, uh, to the point where when I was a young broadcaster with BYU TV, uh, Vance Law's the coach, and something's going on in the game. I think BYU's trailing, and I I said, hey, you're the former coach. What would you do right here? And he said, now, Jerem, that's not a very good question, (laughs) which I thought was so good. He did did so much for this school, and like you talked about, Dave, his legacy is, is so long. And, and I feel like Tom Homo has, has almost stood on his shoulders to continue that, right, with the culmination of the Big 12 invite. Absolutely. It, it just all goes back to the pioneers. I mean, look at the state of Utah. It all goes back to the pioneers when they arrived and started uh, planting trees uh, in the Salt Lake Valley. And, and those, he was certainly a, a, a pioneer. And um, I, I wrote a story about um, Cy Kimball, one of BYU's big donors, last week uh, in the paper. And and Glenn went to Cy years ago and said, Cy, I want to build a baseball stadium for my guys at BYU. I need, I need some help. And Cy donated some property, and he took that and, and took this and took that and built this fantastic facility that we spend all spring over at uh, watching BYU play. And, um, and that was just one piece. He was a coach that turned athletic director, that turned businessman. And a lot of people can't do the full three-point turn. You're a coach, now you're in charge of the other coaches, and sometimes that doesn't work. Uh, Tom's found a way to, to make that work uh, as a former football coach and athletic director, and I think he followed Glenn's model. But as you look around the country, coaches sometimes don't make good ADs because they're too busy coaching and there's the business over here. Glenn found a way to do both and, and was an example for athletic directors everywhere. That's why he's in the Athletic Director Hall of Fame. He's in like seven Hall of Fame. Yes. There are more halls that he's actually, fewer halls that he's not in than <laughs> halls that he is in. Uh, and, and, uh, and then he went to Alabama as the interim AD back in, I think he wrote down 95, 96. He got BYU the 98 game with Alabama. <laughs> he got that. And he saved Alabama. They had NCAA problems and rule violations. So what do they do? They, they call in the BYU guy to come clean it up. And he cleaned it up and did some great work there in, in a little over a year's time. And, and how about that? We, Alabama's now the pristine standard bearer of all of college football. And, and our former AD had to go back there and put them back. To, they had to put Humpty Dumpty back together yeah, again. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Dave McCann is with us on BYU Sports Nation. We're remembering longtime BYU legend, coach, athletic director, Glenn Tuckett, who has uh, recently passed away. I just keep thinking about the limited resources that BYU athletics had when he was the athletic director from 1976 to 1993, they're working out of the Smithfield House, these tiny offices, and yet they continue to put this high-level product on the field. They win a national championship. They recruit in a Heisman Trophy winner. It just it's, It is the story of BYU athletics and largely the story of Glenn Tuckett of, you know, we don't have much, but we're going to get the most out of it, and we're going to show the world who we are. And he, and he was that way with his players. 
hey, you know, I got much here on the bench, but I've got to convince these average players to play great, these great players to play even better so we can go out and beat the best. It's that same kind of do less with more, more with less. And, um, and then as you look at BYU today, all you do is drive around campus and you can see that, well, now BYU has everything. And uh, what was once a banner year for the Cougar Club to raise a million bucks in the early 80s is now dropped on the table by single donors. This is a different world that we're in. I think Glenn and Lavelle would have had a good time in this world because they got <laughs> practice facilities and stadiums and, and don't have to do radio call-in shows and things like that. Um, but we Those wouldn't have this stuff today if it, if it weren't for those two. And I know that uh, Glenn's wife, Joe passed away a few years ago. So uh, trumping all of this is that great reunion of those mm. two back together. And, and uh, I imagine he had a mile of friends waiting to share stories with him when he oh my passed gosh. over last night. I would have loved to have seen the uh, Lavelle Glenn hug, right? Yeah. That, that happened recently, I, I imagine. <laughs> Hopefully neither of them was surprised to see the other one. <laughs> what are you what? doing What are you doing here? <laughs> I thought for sure you were going over there. <laughs> No, it's good. It's good yeah. stuff, and and hopefully, uh, hopefully, we'll have a moment of silence at the football game uh, this weekend, and and uh, a chance for Cougar fans to just sit and reflect for a moment on one of the great, one of the great BYU uh, contributors of his time, talents, gifts, and 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 what he left behind. I'm hoping the Y on the back of the Big South scoreboard is done. And that that thing can be lit up bright for the first time, you know, this week, and maybe that has a little. I drove more. by that this morning. It looks good. It looks great. It looks great, right? It looks good. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the Washington State game from yeah. the weekend. Then Virginia, Tyler Algier, what a, what a performance! Oh my gosh, he had to be great for BYU to win this game, which we were talking about yesterday, Dave. Of there's two trains of thought here. One is why was this game so close? BYU should have rolled that team that didn't have a coach and blah blah blah. But also the Hey, Power 5 games is going to be messy sometimes. You went in there and got the win. A lot of people picked Washington State because they thought the emotion would go the other way. They win, win one for the Gipper. Um, that wasn't the case. You were there. Half the stadium was empty. So it wasn't like the Pullman community was all in this political fight between the coach and, and the administration. It's almost like they, they didn't care. And I think that took some wind out of the sail of Washington State. They come out of the locker room. They're going, um, we don't have a coach and we don't have a crowd. And I, I think that took some of their energy sure. away. And to your point, the stadium mandates that you either present uh, proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test within 72 hours of the game. And for those that were in support of Nick Rolovich and his staff, they're not going to show up to yeah. the game. Tyler right? Algier told me, you'll see the film room tonight on the Stocky Show, but he said some of the players told him after, whoa, this is pretty, that was pretty empty compared to what we'd had it. Yeah. So there was some kind of... I don't know, probably a political sort of thing going but, on. But there. you know what yeah. I did notice is that there was a giant group of BYU fans who were all vaccinated or had negative tests. Yes. <laughs> Down there in <laughs> the end zone. They were there. They were having a pretty good time. Uh, I think that's the kind of game BYU needs to have this week. Uh, a game where they're running the football. The best way to keep Brennan Armstrong, this outstanding Virginia quarterback, in check is have him on the sideline. So if BYU can put 17 play drives together and, and, and run and eat the clock – I think that's that advantage. A lower-scoring game, I think, benefits BYU. A shootout, which Virginia's more than comfortable playing, um, seems to feature the quick-strike offense that they have. So I was thinking about that today. And, uh, yeah, BYU, we thought that they should have rolled these guys the way they were running the football. But 7-7 at halftime, at that point, you're just like, just get one more point and, and get out of town. Yes. And uh, no one – I don't know if anyone remembers who uh, who'd Alabama play. Who Georgia? They're number one. Who Georgia play the second week of the season? 
I'm doesn't fine. matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, no. They doesn't won. matter. Yeah. They won, and, and now it's the big game is this week. It's the same thing for BYU. And, and it's like, hey, what was how many yards did the defense give up uh, the fourth game of the year? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It what won't. matters is Saturday, and if Virginia scores 49 points, all that really matters is that BYU scores 50. Do you feel like you mentioned a low-scoring game? Do you feel like it can be a low-scoring game? Can BYU hold this Virginia team under like 30? Well, when Arizona State came in, the thought was, here's this great mobile quarterback. They lit up two bad teams coming in. Uh, are they going to light up BYU? And uh, in fact, all four of those Pac-12 teams, BYU's allowed 17.3 points. That's amazing. Well, that's the lowly Pac-12, David. Yeah, it is the lowly Pac-12. <laughs> but two of those teams were in the top 20 when they came in. Right, right. Uh, just, the, just the fact of being able to do that four times, um, I, I, I think it, it's quite capable. To, it's quite possible that they could do that. Um, could Virginia come out and turn it over four times like Arizona State or Utah turn it over twice? BYU's now back in the groove of taking care of the football, um, which has been their mantra through all their wins. So I think it's got to be that kind of a game. But if it isn't, and it's 56 to 55 and, and, uh, and BYU wins, everyone can curse the defense on their drive home being 7-2. and two. I, And yeah. I want to see the BYU offense explode. We have yet to really right. see that, right? Especially in the Power 5 games. Those are different. They're harder. They're, they're tougher, right? BYU's gonna, I feel like BYU's got to score some points like they haven't yet this, this game. Yeah, meanwhile, Bronco and his boys of Virginia, I don't know what's going on with the quarterback situation there, but they had Kurt Ben Kurt who was developed and now is still in NFL. the NFL. Yeah. Bryce Perkins, right. yep. developed, still in the NFL. And now they've got Brennan Armstrong. So Robert and I and Bronco Mendenhall, they're, and doing, Beck. they're doing some. Jason Beck doing some things with the offense right. at, at Virginia. And Taysom Hill's a quarterback that they had that's in the NFL. Maybe there's something about those guys. It's, it's We know it's they're not, awesome. It's <laughs> not, a, not a bad run for yeah. sure. No, but this Armstrong guy is legit, and uh, he can run, he can throw, he does all those things. The mobile Kevin Federick, Dave. Yeah. Let's see who this guy is. But I, I look at that uh, Arizona State quarterback who was also mobile and could throw, and BYU took the, way, took the run away from him, tried to make him beat him with his arm, and he couldn't do it. Um, you know? This guy's going to be a long ways from home on Saturday night. It's going to be late. It's going to be a lot of emotion. Uh, he's really, really good. Beat some good teams. Made some mistakes. They've gotten fortunate against some teams. Miami some Louisville field goal him. misses that. Yeah. They, they got lucky. Yeah. Think about that Washington State game. Uh, and they had a decent quarterback. I expected DeLora to throw the ball much better than he did. Yeah. On a three-man rush due to the maligned front group with their health. But in the second half, on the few times they got just enough pressure on him, mm-hmm. he misfired. You know, they didn't have to sack him. I think they got one sack the whole game. But they got pressure on him at just the right times to where a pressure on a kid, you, you might be wide open. That doesn't mean I'm going to throw it to you because I'm, I'm fearful that I'm going to get hit. Uh, they got to get a little more pressure than they did there, but they got enough pressure to throw Delara just off his game a little bit, where uh, where he just uh, he wasn't himself and. And they had and some good receivers. Virginia's got absolutely. some even better receivers. They got some legit receivers. You know, they're a good team. And you know, it's I salute Bronco and his staff, and and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them. Uh, they left friends. They're coming back friends, uh, and, and they're very successful. And and BYU's BYU's better than when Bronco left. Virginia's better as Bronco brings them back in than when he got there. And I think it's just a win-win for everybody. And and I, I look forward to that a moment. For the crowd to acknowledge him and yep. then to go after his guys. Dave McCann is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Before you go, Dave, and I know we've talked all football, understandably, 
uh, and of course Glenn Tuckett. But it's we're nearing the busiest time of the year. BYU basketball is about to ramp up. The BYU basketball blue and white game is this Friday. Like it, yeah, baby. I don't like, know how it sneaks up on us every year, but it does. But it's, basketball season's right around the corner. It's like free night. They did their research. They said the best price that BYU fans like is free. So you can just come into the Marriott Center and watch the blue-white scrimmage. If you can't get there from around the world, we'll have it on BYU TV. And then we end up, and then we have Cleveland State, and then there's San Diego State. Uh, it's going to be a very fast and furious next couple of weeks. But that San Diego State game on BYU TV is going to be awesome. They are very good. And I think BYU's got, what, three, three teams right out of the gate, three or four out of the gate that went to the tournament last year. And there are, what, ten – Quad one potential victories on the schedule. You don't, don't have to win all ten. You don't have to win all ten. Creighton, Oregon. How about three or four? Yeah. I know that one team is the, the three quad wins with Gonzaga being number one. But uh, we take one of those. Three you just take right one. Now. Take one. <laughs> and uh, and get in the tournament. Have some fun. And it's. I think this is going to be an interesting team. But Friday night at seven. Uh, come watch us, and we'll watch them. And and uh, and this is an international squad now. There's yes, going to be is. a lot of phonetic yes. spellings and pronunciations yes. <laughs> on our game notes. But it, it, it looks like a fun bunch, and we'll start that journey Friday night. Yeah, very likable crew. We learned that uh, again during BYU Basketball Media Day. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. We look forward to after further review. We're going to do 52 plays tonight. Let's We're go, going to break baby. down 52 plays tonight go. and get you ready for Saturday. Fantastic. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Okay, coming up more on the BYU legend and pioneer, Glenn Tuckett. Current BYU baseball head coach Mike Littlewood will join us to talk about why Glenn Tuckett was mad at the coach when he was a player, among many other great I'm stories. I'm excited from to the hear coach. that story. <laughs> this is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. On the latest Deep Blue podcast, to talk with the women's soccer coach Jennifer Rockwood about getting into coaching, what still drives her, and winning. Listen to it on the BYU Radio app and where podcasts are found. He is Jeremiah Spencer. This is BYU Sports Nation. To interact with the show, you can follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Joining us now to talk more about Glenn Tuckett, legendary BYU baseball coach and athletic director, is the current head baseball coach at BYU, Mike Littlewood. Mike, thanks for coming in uh, You know, on a moment's notice to discuss a man that uh, you spent a lot of time with, especially in the latter part of his life. But uh, what are your initial thoughts uh, upon hearing about Glenn Tuckett passing away and what he meant to BYU? Yeah, I mean, I think my, my, my first emotion was obviously sadness. Um, Coach Tuckett was out at, out at the field last Wednesday. I had a chance to talk to him for about 30 minutes, and it was, um, it was nothing about baseball. He was talking to me about Taylorsville and, you know, where I grew up and, and him grow him at West High School, and then and then Murray, and and uh, just it was it was kind of an interesting conversation. Then he watched he watched a little bit of a of our scrimmage, but I, I think the thing that I think about the most is how he has impacted people on a personal level, from the '60s when he was coaching here, all the way through our team. I mean, he would get with our guys, um, with Andrew Pintar, um, get him in the hallway, and he goes, "Now tell me about your mom and dad," and like he would just ask those questions that most people don't ask. Most people would go, hey, you got a great swing, you know, hope you, hope you are great in pro ball. Doesn't even, that didn't even come up. It's like, you're, you know, you're a good guy. I love the way you carry yourself. Tell me about your parents. And so just the impact he, he's had on so many, many people, and, and myself included. You called him Coach Tuckett. He hasn't coached here since the <laughs> 70s. But like you're saying, he has been a coach for a long time. And it sounds like he's was still coaching until the last couple of days. Yeah, he, he, he definitely was. Uh, I felt like every time he would come up to our practices every at least once every month, 
Sometimes when he was feeling good, he would it would be every other week. And I would see him come up on the first base side, and he just stands there and watches. And I, I would always go over and talk to him, stop what I'm doing, and go talk to him. Um, and then we would go to lunch every once in a while, and he would always get – he loved JCW. Uh, he would get a grilled cheese. Uh, he would get a, a small milkshake, chocolate. Um, and we would just talk, and, and he would question me about practices and why I'm doing certain <laughs> things. And, and, you know, like we have a drill, a bunt defense drill, and he goes, why do you have all five of your catchers doing it? Why don't you just put in the two that, that are going to play in the game? And I'm like – that's probably a good idea. <laughs> Never thought about that. Um, but yeah, he, he, it's amazing how he could watch a game and he would come out and go, now is this, this kid, he looks like he does this. And he would, he, even, even Wednesday, it was like, I need to meet him. I, uh, one of our pitchers, I need to meet him. Um, I noticed he did this and this. And he, was, he could talk detail about baseball till, till the very, very last day. Mm. I always appreciated uh, when I'd see him at baseball games and, uh, I, in fact, a recent memory, I was crossing the street in front of Miller Park with him, and um, he paid me a compliment on the broadcast, and that one always stuck with me. Yeah. You know? And, and uh, the people that are with me say, hey, don't take that lightly. He doesn't offer those uh, <laughs> yeah. very often these Trust days. me, I got the opposite <laughs> I critique, said, as I mentioned last okay. time. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, just really appreciated the interactions I had with him. And, you know, you're in the presence of a legend. Yeah. It, and it's hard to overlook that when, when you're talking with him. Uh, but I know you're full of, of great Glenn Tuckett stories. In fact, uh, we were told that, he was uh, consistently upset with you for one reason or another. Uh, can, <laughs> yeah. let, let's dive into that a little bit. Well, the first thing was when he when I first got the job ten years ago, he he came in and I dressed like I like I dressed coaching. I have shorts and I'm ready for practice, you know. And I, we're doing office stuff and um, and he, he came in and he goes, well, when I you know when I coach, we had to wear a coat and tie. And we he goes, what what time do you teach your classes? And I said, well, I don't have to teach, you know, because Coach Pollins, when I was here, he had to teach as well, coaching baseball. And he goes. You ought to go talk to, to Tom and Tom Homo and, and see if you can teach coaching baseball. You should be teaching that class and wear a coat and tie. <laughs> like, so every time he would come to the field, I'd go, man, I should have just brought a coat and tie just, just so I can see him come and, and put a coat and tie on. But, You're out there on, oh the, my on gosh. the field. Uh, the on the mower, yeah. <laughs> but um, he, he was. It, you hit it right on the head. It's, it's being in the presence of a legend, and, and you're afraid to do like – anything wrong because you know that watchful eye is, is looking over you and my first story with coach Tuckett actually was when he was the athletic director here and I was a player I turned my I was on tuition and books and should have been on a lot bigger scholarship but that's all I was on <laughs> and uh, I, I turned him we had a deadline to turn in our books if you don't turn in your books you don't get them the next semester I didn't turn in my books for some reason probably because I just you know procrastinated busy hitting dingers yeah exactly there you go um and so I went to coach Pullins who was my coach and he set me up on this one but I said, hey, I just for some made up made up an excuse why I didn't turn him in, and he goes, go talk to Coach Tuckett. So I opened his door. I think he had back in the day. He in the '80s he had one of those buttons where he just opened. Bella Glenn had the button, right? Yeah. I'm getting a button in my office, by the way. <laughs> but he, I said, I coach. You know, I turn my and he goes, well, what's what what does the rule say? I said, well, you turn him in on this day. He goes, that's your answer. And I'm like, okay, goodbye. And that's how he was. So when he, when you say he didn't get, didn't offer you a compliment, he was such an honest guy, yeah. but such a loving guy, and, and yeah. you know, such, uh, I mean, he, such a people person. Hey, we were talking about his legacy in terms of like the whole athletic department, and then football. BYU wins the national championship and has a Heisman while he's here. I mean, and it wasn't just football; it was getting Miller Park built. You yeah. know, eventually after his uh, you know time was up, he was essentially the emeritus AD. He still could walk around and, yeah. and talk and interact. And, you know, Lavelle was the interim head coach uh, after he was retired. Right, yeah. It was great to have him around still offering that. 
Any other stories that stick out from from his life as a oh, gosh. coach or AD? Well, two he, College World Series as a coach is yeah. the standard, right? Well, we had so September 10th was our alumni weekend, and we had um, the uh, Mike Mike Staffieri was one of the members of that team, and. I mean, gosh, I could go down the line. Mike Fulser, Brad Bevan, who coached against me when I was in high school. These we had the the 50-year anniversary of the 1971 World Series team, who I think they ended up um, they lost to Harvard, but that's the last team from BYU that went to the World Series, and uh, they had 13 or 14 members of that team and the and um, spouses and that hadn't passed away. I mean, th- those guys they're in their 70s, you know, and they the stories that were they were telling about Coach Tuckett, not about baseball. It was, it was after, uh, you know, my, my son had cancer and he, he called and he sent, he sent me a note. Um, my daughter got married and, and he sent me a note. It was very, and that's, I mean, I think that was, those are the lasting things that people remember about him. I mean, we think, cause we're in the baseball world, his, his pictures on the outfield fence. I mean, if you're a coach, that's your goal to get your, you know, do, do such a great job that they put your number or your face out, out somewhere, you know? And not for a personal. That just means that you, made, a, you made an impact. Yes. Yeah, you made an impact. Yes. And so not only is his name out there for for the baseball, but that's that's such a small portion of what he's done. Not just at BYU, but but um, impacted lives for 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 literally seventy years. Mike Littlewood, the head baseball coach at BYU, is with us on BYU Sports Nation. We're remembering Glenn Tuckett. I just can't get over what he was able to accomplish, not just as a baseball coach, but as the athletic director with so limited resources yeah, in yeah. Provo. I mean, we look around, and BYU is spoiled right now, beyond belief. And it will be even more spoiled in the Big 12, yes. right? There will be more you know, money. And I'm glad that he got that information before he passed on that BYU is going to be a member of a Power 5 conference because he laid the groundwork for something like that in a major way. Yeah, and I think not only Coach Tucker, but everybody, Lavelle, and uh, I mean, just you can go on and on and on, and, and, and Coach Homo talks about this. Um, you call him Coach Homo? Anybody because who, he was anybody the, who coaches, coach. I, I feel like that's the respect thing. You, nice. you call him Coach. I've, all, I've just always done that. I've never called one of my coaches by their first name. Um, but you know, I, I think everybody who's come before has laid the groundwork for this. Um, but you know, coach Tuckett goes to Alabama and does the great things. No, nobody really thinks about all those, those things that he does. They just think about the great things he did on the baseball field. But those who know him truly know what kind of a guy he was. And, um, I'll, I'll never forget him. I mean, I, when I got the call, Shannon, his daughter called me and left me a message this morning, um, that he had passed away and, and, um, he, his wife Joe passed away a few years ago, and he he would tell me all the time. He's he's like I'm I'm still lonely, you know. And so to have them reunite, man, what what is better for Coach Tuckett? Fantastic, and that's uh that's a great way to finish this conversation. We appreciate you coming in, Mike. It's so great to talk with you and to remember Glenn. And uh, of course, uh, we need to congratulate you on a a win in the off season over Utah as well. We'll take Utah. Couple Winter, of wins. Summer Let's fall. Go. We'll take we'll take wins over Utah. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Thanks. Okay, coming up, we pay our tribute to Glenn Tucker. And uh, Top 5 Tuesday features the top plays for BYU football against Virginia. Broncos coming back to town. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU football's Clint Tucker airs tonight on the BYU TV app. Greg Brown, the coach, look back at the big win at Washington State. Look ahead to the Bronco Bowl. Neil Pau's Deep Blue is tonight, and Tyler Algier is in the film room, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. BYU Sports Nation continues live from Studio B. It is time for Top 5 Tuesday, presented by Delta Airlines. And with Bronco Mendenhall making his 
return after a six-year absence from Lavelle Edwards Stadium when he took the job of Virginia. It's time we look back on the top five plays for BYU all-time against the Cavaliers. Start us off, Jaron. Number five, 1999, Kevin Federick avoids the sack, throws a 19-yard touchdown to Carlos Nuno, who catches it off the deflection, part of a 21-0 comeback that fell just short for BYU. In the fourth quarter, I remember going to this game. Thomas Jones ran wild on BYU. But this was a great play from Federick to Nuno. I should have seen this game in person. My older brother, Trevor, will never forgive me about it. Uh, what I, happened? I left him high and dry because of a girl. <laughs> oh, shoot, man. Her name was Barbie, okay? Oh, wow. <laughs> Lots of comments there. Number four. <laughs> 2000. <laughs> BYU trailing 21 nothing. Just before the half, or rather, Owen Pochman kicks the game-winning 26-yard field goal in overtime when BYU had trailed 21 to nothing. Tyson Smith intercepted Dan Ellis in Virginia's overtime possession to set up the Cougars for that game-winning field goal. Hold up. 99 and 2000, BYU trailed Virginia 21 nothing? How about that? What the heck? At least they won the one on the road. Yes, they did. Ethan Pochman, Owen Pochman, rather, winning on and off the field. Number three, keeping it in the year 2000. Year 2000. Jonathan Pittman stays with it. Oh, Brett Ingram into Pittman. Awesome. Pittman Love had it. a few big catches Dude, that season. Jonathan Pittman's one of the most underrated ever. Uh, no word on it whether that was Malik Moore who dropped the inter. I kid. I kid. That was the moment the game changed for Virginia when they uh, let that interception get yep. away. Yep, because if, yeah, if they don't, it's going to be 28 nothing maybe. <laughs> At number two, into 2014. Barbie. Feast your eyes on this, a rarity for BYU football these days. Adam Hine takes the kick at the one-yard line, up the middle. He's running like people are chasing him, and they are. 99 yards, or was it 100 yards on the kickoff return? It was 180 yards, Spencer. 100 yards. Virginia had just cut BYU's lead to one possession, but Hine, well, he changed it in a really fast way. BYU wins 41-33. This is the last time BYU returned a kickoff for a touchdown. That was the last one. That's yep. the last That's one. That's the last one. And the top play versus Virginia from BYU. Same game. Taysom Hill, 15-yard touchdown. This was one of the greatest just in-your-face moments for Taysom Hill. Get on, on to No, eh, no. You got to tackle my legs. Come on, bro. Come on, man. Taysom Hill was really good in this game. BYU beat Virginia, part of a 4-0 start, ranked 19th, and then Taysom got hurt in that season, uh, went down the drain. That's an NFL safety, by the way, that he is stiff-arming on his way to the end zone. How about that? Yeah. Nameless NFL safety. (laughs) Named, I think his name was Barbie. (laughs) Those are the top five plays against Virginia. (laughs) Well, did you go, so you went on a date. Yeah. Didn't work out. Uh, well, d- it worked out for a little. It worked out for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Oh, go, so man. many none. Anyway, our question of the day: What kind of reception are you going to give Bronco Mendenhall on Saturday? Our elite voice of the day, presented by Sundance Mountain get, Resort. Is he getting married? From at Austin Davis on Facebook, a warm welcome and cheers for him. Then let's stomp his team into the ground. Okay, yeah. It's all friendly until kickoff. Yeah, then you get after it's just it. Then business. You, then you compete. Business. Then you compete. Come on now. Okay, coming up, rise and shout out to a BYU lift. A final note on Glenn Tuckett. Don't go anywhere. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Delta Airlines. 
keep climbing. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Here's a description of how you might feel after watching the latest BYU Sports Nation right now. A state of insanity, euphoria, and elation that comes from experiencing the success of BYU Sports. Check it out on the BYUSN Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube account. BYU Sports Nation is always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Today's Rise and Shoutout, presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics, and we collectively give a special and melancholy Rise and Shoutout to former BYU baseball head coach, athletic director, and Cougar legend Glenn Tuckett, who passed away last night at the age of 93. Born in 1927, Tuckett took over as the BYU baseball coach at the age of 32, leading the Cougars for 17 seasons, won 13 divisional titles, three conference championships. He also took BYU to the College World Series twice. Tuckett also served as the athletic director from 1976 to 1993 and was the athletic director for one year at Alabama, between 1995 and 1996. This man was the driving force behind the expansion of Lavelle Edwards Stadium from 30,000 seats to 65,000 and also helped foster relationships that led to games against the likes of Notre Dame, Penn State, Pittsburgh, Texas, and Miami. Tuckett inducted into multiple halls of fame, including the BYU Hall of Fame in 1982, the National Association of Collegiate Directors of Athletics, the Murray High School Athletic Hall of Fame, Utah Summer Games, Utah Old-Time Athletes Association Hall of Fame. He was a legend, Jaron. Yes, one of the great titans of uh, administration, of coaching at BYU. He will be missed and literally was on campus last week at practice with Mike Little. We send our love and uh, our appreciation to the Tuckett family uh, for all he meant to BYU Athletics. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to the entire Tuckett family. Glenn Tuckett, dead at the age of 93.